Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today. Uh, before I get into the politics of the day, I want to give a shout out to students across the district. We've had uh, high school leap testing, middle school leap testing, and now this week is the start of AP, advanced placement testing, which is going to be uh, taking up a lot of our high school uh, students' times as well. And you know, so a, a guy I know, Chris Stewart, he uh, goes by Citizen Chris or Citizen Stewart on Twitter, and he writes, he has his own Substack. Uh, and he is an education choice advocate, although he comes at it from the progressive perspective, particularly where uh, where issues of race are are involved. And he wrote a column recently uh, asking why teachers complain about testing so much. And it is one of the things that a lot of teachers do really complain about standardized testing. And I want to talk about that in, in this opening segment, if I can, and just kind of avoid the politics of the moment, because we can talk about all the stuff going on in Washington, D.C., heck, even talk about the stuff going on in Baton Rouge, but that doesn't affect you or me near as much as what our kids are going through in the classroom right now. Right now, students are preparing to take finals. They've taken leap tests. They're taking AP tests. They are trying to make sure their grades are picked up this last nine weeks. They are doing a lot. Some of the kids, they bring a lot of the work on themselves. They don't do their work throughout the year, and so they have to do a lot at the end of the year to try to make up for all they miss. And, and you know, they, they, again, bring that on themselves. But there are some students who are genuinely hardworking, who have various tests going on at the end of the year. And sometimes it's not even leaps. Sometimes there are some certification tests involved because we offer these professional certifications to our students. Some of my students are having to go through that in the next couple of weeks. And the students get a lot of stuff piled on them at the end of the year. One of the reasons I like what Florida is doing with standardized testing, they're doing uh, state-mandated testing smaller segments periodically throughout the school year rather than piling everything onto one test at the end of the year. I like the idea of standardized testing. I, I do. I Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the point of standardized testing, which is all about data, tracking to make sure that our students are getting what they're supposed to in the classroom. I understand that. And a lot of teachers will say that one of the problems they face is all of these overwhelming odds for their students, and yet it's less an impact on the student's uh, outcome for the year than it is the teachers. The teachers are graded remarkably uh, harshly on student performance on standardized tests, and I can understand that. But at the same time, the data that we get from standardized tests is what's important. Are our kids learning what they need to learn? And that is the most important thing. The point of school is to make sure that our kids are getting what they're supposed to get. And at times, a lot of that, uh, a lot of those battles face a lot of distraction. 
And I really grow concerned at the end of the year that with all the distractions we have, especially the last couple of years, which have been remarkably tough on teachers across the board, a lot of this stuff and the outcomes are very dependent on whether or not students, frankly, are motivated or overwhelmed. And that can hurt teachers. And I understand the teacher's plight on this. But standardized testing is something that we need. And, I, and, and you, you won't find me saying we should stop standardized testing. I think we should do it differently rather than pile it on at the end of the year. But we need it. We need that data. Right now, though, we're on the cusp of something extremely tragic in our country. We've watched and we see news reports about it. There are, there are stories, several stories out there about it. Students who are overwhelmed academically, socially, emotionally, mentally, and we have a mental health crisis, especially among our students. And it's not getting any better. And that's where the standardized testing question comes in. Are we doing this the right way? I remain convinced that we aren't. I don't know the exact perfect solution. I don't know if what Florida is going to do or uh, starting next year as their pilot program, I don't know if it's going to be the solution. It's a solution. It's a possible solution, but I don't know if it's the solution. And it's impossible to tell these things without years and years and years of data to support it. And that's the problem right now is we need some sort of immediate fix and the possible solutions to the standardized testing problem take years to really fully implement to make sure we're implementing it the right way. But we're on the cusp of a major, I and mean, we're, we're already kind of there, but a major mental health crisis in the country, particularly among our students. And this does tie in to the political. And I want to talk about that. We're going to go ahead and take a break, but I want to talk about the political aspect of this and, and why we're seeing what we're seeing in the polls, 232-1542. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the political side of education when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the program. Uh, one of our listeners did reach out to me via Twitter. I knew some of you are on Twitter, but not a whole lot because, I'm, again, if you want to follow me at Joe P. Cunningham, you certainly can, uh, but you know, occasionally somebody reaches out through Twitter. I think things started going downhill when our children started being taught to take a test instead of learning the subject. Data collection should not supersede the children's knowledge growth. And you're absolutely right. Uh, thank you very much for uh, replying on Twitter. But you're absolutely right, and, and I want to make that clarification. The data should show what our kids know, but it should also show their growth. And more often than not, we're focused on the achievement level of our students. Whether or not a sin, we, our achievement levels are unsatisfactory, uh, approaching basic, basic mastery and advanced. And we should be, you know, we should aim for our students to, uh, to hit the achievement level of mastery or advanced. We should be, you know, shooting for that. And I, I, I don't, don't disagree with the idea that mastery should come, should be the focus. But it says a lot 
when we ignore the kids who go from unsatisfactory to approaching basic or unsatisfactory to basic or approaching basic to basic or approaching basic to mastery, we forget that growth. We're often just looking at the achievement. Oh, well, this certain number of kids achieve advanced, this certain percentage achieve mastery, and we base our school scores on that. We really do need to be trying to focus a bit more on which teachers are pulling the lowest of the low up, which teachers are taking our middle-of-the-road kids and bringing them to mastery level. Because you can have a group of kids that are totally brilliant, and they hover around the mastery and advanced uh, achievement level their entire lives. But we do so at the risk of ignoring the kids who underachieve because they have their own struggles, because of stuff going on at home, or because of this mental health crisis that's going on. But the education issue and the reforms that we need are going to cause problems at the ballot box. Last week, I mentioned an NPR Marist poll. And Republicans are leading Democrats on the generic ballot. Just overall, they're leading by about three points. But there are some demographic breakdowns that are really important to look at. I mentioned that the GOP is winning Latino voters 52 to 39. But there's another demographic at play. Parents with children 18 or under. Parents with children in schools. 60% choose the GOP. 39% choose the Democrats. Parents of kids in schools are growing very concerned with how education is being handled. Be it the school shutdowns that we saw across the country that thankfully we really didn't get into here locally. The issue of what's going on in our schools, what our kids are being taught in the classrooms, what school boards are doing to uh, try to stymie the efforts of parents to get involved. All of these are adding up. And it's sending parents to the Republican Party in numbers that we really haven't seen, at least in a very long time. Some of these are Reagan-level numbers. Some of these are beyond Reagan-level numbers, if we're being honest. The issue of education is just as important as the education itself. The Democrats are now very, very tied to the teachers' unions, which are viewed very negatively by voters, especially voters who have kids in school. And there's something else here. There's another demographic to look at. In this NPR Marist poll, if we look at race, black voters in the NPR Marist poll will vote in the congressional generic ballot, 72% Democrat, 20% Republican, 7% are unsure. Black voters typically lean very heavily Democrat. If they are dipping below the 80% mark, that's a bad sign, but there's something worse. Joe Biden's approval 
among black voters is down by 20% since 2021. The Democrats are losing Hispanic voters by 13 points. That's 13 points in the Republicans' favor, meaning 13 points more. 13% more Hispanic voters will vote for Republicans than Democrats in 2022. That Joe Biden is losing approval among black voters, that it's dropped from 87% approval last year to 67% this year, does not mean a bunch of black voters are going to switch to the Republican side. But what it does mean is that black voters will stay home. Black voters will not go out. They already don't really go out in high enough numbers unless, uh, during, a, during a midterm, unless they have a specific candidate that is really being pushed hard in the black community. But remember, while Barack Obama was president, black numbers were very high at the voter polls for Barack Obama. But in the midterms, they didn't show up nearly as much. It doesn't matter who the president was. They just didn't show up. And that was when Barack Obama, somebody they loved, was the president. If it's somebody who only has 67% of their approval now, who's running the show and is not doing much for them, they're going to stay home. Keep in mind, the Senate right now is in Democratic hands in a 50-50 split. Two of those senators come from Georgia. In 2020, you had the Senate runoffs. Do you know what happened there? Do you know why there are two Democratic senators from Georgia? It's not because of a stolen election. It's because when they went back and looked at the voter rolls, over 400,000 Republicans stayed home. They were convinced, they were convinced by the Republican Party of Georgia, and they were convinced by Donald Trump that the, you know, the game was rigged. There's no point even going out. And 400,000 of them, over 400,000 of them, stayed home. The Democrats won those Senate races by way less than 400,000. If all the Republicans that need to go out and vote go out to vote in this November election, Raphael Warnock's toast. Because Democrats are going to stay home. Black voters are going to stay home. And that's Raphael Warnock's base. If black voters stay home in places like Georgia, you're not just looking at a flipped control from Democrat to Republican. You're looking at a fairly solid majority, not a veto-proof majority, not the two-thirds that, that you need to, kill the fil- to, to, to override a filibuster. But do you know what happens in 2024? We can't look too far ahead. We cannot look past this November But the Democrats are panicking, not because of this election, but because 2024, the seats that are up for re-election in the Senate in 2024, even less favorable to the Democrats than this year. And you could very, very easily, if you have 20% of black voters now deciding they're not a fan of Biden, they don't like what he's doing, and they stay home in November, a lot more Republicans are going to hold on or win Senate seats. And then in 2024, you can get to that 60-vote threshold. And if you get to that 60-vote threshold and a Republican wins in 2024, oh boy, the Democrats are done. Now, 
not permanently. I don't believe in permanence in politics. I think it's, it's very much a pendulum swing one way to the other. But you're talking about nearly a generation of damage to the Democratic Party. I mean, look at what happened after Barack Obama's years. Look at how the Democrats were sure they had a blue wave coming in 2020 and they won the presidency but actually lost ground in the House and only came out with a tie in the Senate. Now imagine these numbers holding up and then the Senate flipping this year and then getting to a a filibuster-proof majority in 2024. That is a generation's worth of damage to the Democratic Party. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the program. When we come back, Joe Biden wants to make the midterms about one man and one man only. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. As if they really want to make my point, uh, the Los Angeles Teachers Union uh, is saying for this appreciate uh, Teacher Appreciation Week, which, by the way, starts today. Appreciate your teachers. Teacher Appreciation Week needs, this is what they tweeted out, higher salaries, smaller classes and caseloads, wraparound resources for students, full benefits, shared decision-making in schools, ending of the end of standardized testing, full funding of IDEA, and this is my favorite, forgive all student debt. That's what they want for Teacher Appreciation Week is to forgive all student debt. This is, by the way, the same teachers union that when the schools were closed down, had their list of demands to reopen schools, which included wealth taxes, charter school bans, and Medicare for all. It's as if they want to make my point and chase all the parents away to the Republican Party. And this is what's interesting. The I, I didn't talk about it much last week, but the, the student debt thing. The Biden administration weighing a proposal to forgive student debt up to $50,000 and with certain income caps. The Democrats really do think that the line, well, if you don't want to pay off somebody, if you don't want your tax money to pay off somebody else's debt, you're just selfish, you're just greedy. To the people who have worked hard and paid off their student debt, to say that they to turn around and just call those people who did it, who managed their own affairs, to call them guilt, uh, to call them uh, I'm sorry, greedy. That kind of messaging doesn't work, and that's that's what's blowing my mind about the Biden administration is that the messaging has been so awful. The Biden administration now wants to make the midterms. This is according to uh, the Politico Morning Playbook. The Biden team wants to make the midterms about Trump. They think that Elon Musk buying Twitter and potentially unbanning Trump helps make their case. Which is really extremely weird. It's very, very weird to think that Donald Trump making it all about him is somehow going to be what does it for him. Let me pull up this quote. I, I just, I, I need to, I need to read the direct quote from Politico. President Joe Biden, and his team are going to spend the spring and summer months drawing sharp distinctions with Republicans and one in particular, Donald Trump. If I can take you guys back in time, I'm sorry, guys and girls, 
hate to assume one's gender. If I can take you guys and girls back in time, just a few months, just to November 2021, and take you to a little place called Virginia, what happened there? Terry McAuliffe, a Democrat, was running for governor, running to be governor of Virginia again, and his opponent was a man named Glenn Youngkin. Now, Youngkin is a businessman, a, a center-right Republican, and the Democrats tried to tie him to Donald Trump, tried to make the gubernatorial election of Virginia about Donald Trump to the point where they kept bringing up the January 6th stuff and the Democrats polling showed, well, well voters want uh, Congress to get to the bottom of January 6th. And you know what? It made no difference. Glenn Youngkin won. A Republican won the governor's uh, mansion in Virginia. Not only that, you had a black woman who was a conservative Republican win lieutenant governor. And not only that, you had a Hispanic male Republican win attorney general. They swept those statewide elections the Republican Party did. Not only that, I think they flipped control of the House of Com of, 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 of the House. They flipped the legislature in Virginia or came very close to it. And it wasn't because Donald Trump. It wasn't some racist white folks in Virginia. It was education. Education is an issue that is driving voters to the Republican Party, but it's not just there. Joe Biden's personal pollster has been warning the president and the Democrats that inflation and immigration would drag his poll numbers down. From the New York Times, here's an excerpt. Immigration is a growing vulnerability for the president, said John Anzalone and his team in a package of confidential polling, voter surveys, and recommendations compiled for the White House. Voters do not feel he has a plan to address the situation on the border, and it's starting to take a toll. Within a month, there was another stark warning. Nearly 9 in 10 registered voters are also concerned about increasing inflation. In another memo, in a, they said in another memo uh, obtained by the New York Times. The series of confidential polling data and weekly memos presented to Mr. Biden's inner circle from April of last year to January of this year provides a roadmap of the declining support of a president whose initial legislative proposals spurred comparisons to the New Deal or the Great Society. That's from the New York Times. Immigration is a growing vulnerability for the president, his own pollster said. And then in another memo, nearly nine in 10 registered voters are also concerned about increasing inflation. I'm not sure how old that memo was because I have this today at Red State from my buddy, Brandon Morse. 94% of Americans are concerned with inflation and a majority of Americans believe Republicans can fix it. Via Brandon at redstate.com, the poll measures how well Joe Biden and his administration are doing in terms of various issues and suffice it to say, hardly any of it is good news. One thing in particular is the concern over the rising inflation hitting our economy. A whopping 94% of respondents say they are concerned, with 44% of adults saying they were upset about inflation and 50% saying they were concerned but not upset. Only 6% said they weren't concerned about inflation at all. 
that news by itself is pretty bad, especially considering the fact that an economy doing badly puts the party in charge on the back foot during elections and gives a very strong talking point to the opposition party. But here's the kicker. Here's what Brandon mentions. According to the poll, 50% of respondents said they trusted Republicans to handle the economy better than the Democrats, who got 36% of that vote. On inflation, the numbers go down for Democrats to only 31%, while Republicans hold steady at 50%. All you need to win an election is 50 plus 1. You've got to get the majority. And Republicans have that. On the economy, on inflation, on immigration. These key issues that are routinely causing problems for the Biden administration, the Republicans are winning right now. Black support for Joe Biden is down 20%. On the issue of education, you have parents fleeing the Democrats. 60% of parents with children in schools, 18 and under, would prefer voting for a Republican in a generic congressional race versus a Democrat at just 39%. You're losing parents. You're losing Hispanic voters by 13 points. Black voters are going to stay home. Americans trust Republicans on the economy, on inflation, on immigration. It's bad. And the Biden team's thought is that we need to make everything about Donald Trump. In case you forgot, in case you forgot, the Republicans have tried that strategy before, and it didn't work. Donald Trump in 2020 had the opportunity to run on accomplishments and run on what his administration was doing. But because he could not get a unified message on COVID, on the economy, and he couldn't really land anything on Joe Biden because Biden was hanging out in his basement, the Republicans weren't able to maintain control of the White House. And we know that it's a messaging problem from that president because the Republicans still did very well in congressional races. They made gains in the House. They kept it to a tied Senate. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the show. When we come back, a bill in the Louisiana legislature I have to talk about because it's making me angry. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all again today on this kind of cloudy but not too bad of an afternoon here in South Louisiana. So there's this bill that's irritating me. And I understand the logic behind it. And I just ran the numbers in the break to, to figure out the justification. So House Bill 1031, they, uh, Greg Hilburn has a write-up of it. Uh, you can find it at theadvertiser.com. House Bill 1031 by Barbara Freiberg is an electric vehicle bill. And the the whole and and this is this is the language that they're using to describe this bill, and that's why it set me over the edge. 
It's a bill to make electric vehicle owners pay their fair share. I don't care, Republican or Democrat, if you use the phrase, pay their fair share, I'm automatically against whatever you're trying to sell me. And I understand the point of the bill. The point of the bill is to say that people who drive electric vehicles are not contributing in gas tax because they don't buy gas. And so there's got to be a way to get tax money out of them. And so they want to establish a $110 electric vehicle fee annually. Now, I just ran them as of 2016, there's just shy of 3.4 million licensed drivers in the state. Let's say 5% of those drivers drive an electric vehicle. And let's, you know, keep in mind that not all of those drivers have a car even. But let's just say, let's, for the, the sake of argument, let's say 5% have an electric vehicle. That's roughly 170000 times the 110 dollar fee annually you're looking at raising just shy of 19 million dollars a year just shy of 19 million dollars a year for the for the government in in taxes and fees i hate fees fees is fees are taxes let's let's be honest i know moon's been saying that for years gotta remind y'all a fee is a tax 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 $19 million they want to raise in taxes a year because 5% or less of of Louisiana's drivers don't pay any gas taxes. Why? Why would a Republican-led legislature be eyeing any sort of tax increase at all? I understand that the electric vehicle movement is not that popular in this state. When I was buying a new vehicle a few months back, I was looking at a hybrid. I never looked at an electric vehicle, but I was looking at a hybrid. I would still be buying gas, just not as much. Are we going to tax hybrid drivers because they don't buy nearly as much in gas? They have to buy gas half as often. You, you know, you charge them more to make up that difference for the 50% they're not paying. How do you do that? How do you determine the fair share? I don't like this bill. I don't like any bill that raises taxes. And I'll be point blank with you. I don't care. I didn't even look at the party affiliation of the bill. I don't care. You're raising a fee. Therefore, you're raising a tax. You are looking to score millions more in tax money from Louisiana citizens at a time when the economy is utter garbage. Under normal conditions, a Republican-led legislature should not consider raising taxes. In the current economy, you run as far away from a tax increase as possible. It makes no sense. And to use the words fair share, go ahead, let the legislature use this fair share terminology. Straight out of a progressive playbook. Hybrid drivers aren't paying their fair share. They're only only paying half as much in gas taxes. Let's go after them next.
What sense does it make, y'all? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sort of sense. And if any Republican is actually supporting this measure, I'd be fine with calling on them to, 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 to not run again next year. This should not be something we're entertaining. Please stop looking for reasons to tax the citizens of Louisiana. You cannot even keep your own fiscal house in order. What's that phrase we love? Kicking the can down the road? Well, we don't need to actually fix anything. Let's just raise $19 million a year more off of Louisiana drivers because they went out and decided they didn't want to pay an exorbitantly high gas tax. Well, they're driving our roads and they're not contributing to it. You know who else is not contributing to our roads? Louisiana taxpayers' money already. Have you seen our roads? Please show me where that money is going to be spent. I know a few potholes on my drive between here and home. This is nuts. This is absolute insanity. And I'm sorry to go on a rant here at the end. I would love to end on a positive note like, hey, it's a beautiful spring day. Let's all go outside and enjoy the sunshine. But I can't because the Louisiana's Republican legislature is looking at another tax raising opportunity. Hip, hip, hooray. I love it. Love it when we are getting the, repu uh, the, the representation we so deserve in our legislature. Okay, I think I've vented. I think I've gotten it all out of my system. Let me go back to where I started. Education, real quick. It is Teacher Appreciation Week, and teachers, because of the unions, because of the Democratic Party, a lot of good teachers get lumped in with the bad ones. I'm not just advocating for myself here. I know a lot of great teachers. It is Teacher Appreciation Week. Please take a moment to thank your children's teachers for the work they're doing in the classroom. They really need that support. Just a Starbucks gift card, just a snack, just a thank you note. Just give them a little bit of appreciation this week. Because at the end of the day, all they're doing is trying to help your kids be successful in life. That's all we're trying to do. Some of us aren't doing a great job. Those are the ones that are typically led by those national unions. But a lot of us are doing a good job out there. And we really just need to know that our efforts are being appreciated. I know that sounds selfish. That's going to do it for the next 23 hours. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and check out previous episodes of the show. And I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.